Welcome to the High on Life podcast, where it's all about empowering you with the medicine and the mindset to healthfully lose weight and thrive beyond the scale. I'm your host, Dr. Sasha High. This podcast contains general educational information on weight loss and beyond. Remember that while I'm a doctor, I'm not your doctor. So be sure to seek medical support from a qualified health professional. This is episode 55 of the High on Life podcast. On today's episode, I interview one of my longtime clients, Debbie Taylor. The interesting thing about Debbie that some of you may relate to is she has always been very, very active. She's been into exercise and working out, high-intensity interval training. She's also a long-distance cyclist. She's worked with personal trainers. Like She's always been active. And despite all of that activity, she could not figure out why she couldn't lose weight. Through Best Weight, she learned about emotional eating and overeating because of some nutrition misinformation surrounding exercise. And by slowly changing how she thinks about food and learning to regulate her emotions, creating a health like healthy relationship boundaries in her life, she has managed to lose over 50 pounds and keep it off for the past two years. Debbie is a mother of two grown daughters. She loves walking and hiking and kayaking. As I mentioned, she's an endurance recreational cyclist and a career executive. She's also the primary caregiver to a mother with dementia. And Debbie has had to learn how to cope with the many stressors in her life rather than resorting to food. Her story is really powerful. So I hope you enjoy the episode. All right. Hi, Debbie. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. I'm so happy to have you. Hi, nice to see you. It's been a while. How are you? I know it has been. It actually has been a few a few months. Okay, well, Debbie, can you just tell us a little bit about you and your background? So I'm a mother of uh, two grown daughters, married, happily married with an extremely supportive husband. And then I also care for my mother, who's 93 years old, with uh, you know severe dementia, and she lives in a care home. But I'm a very, I've always been, probably in the last 10 or 15 years, a very active person. I've always done, you know, cycling and some walking. Now I've converted to kayaking and some hiking. So, but I have always, you know, even since I had my daughters, went to um, fitness classes, all kinds of great group fitness classes. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So like, it sounds like you're super active. So what was it like, where were you at when you arrived at, you know, our doors? Well, you actually think it came in person when we were still seeing people in person, but um, yeah. How did you arrive with us? So I was um, actually out on a walk and uh, a friend of mine said to me, he had gone to a metabolic clinic and he had lost a significant amount of weight, 65 pounds, and he sustained it for five years without a fancy gym. So that was very intriguing to me. I asked him more questions and I thought, if anybody can do that for me, because I've tried so many, I've had personal trainers, I've been to a nutritionist. I've tried so many things I thought would work, but they weren't sustainable. And to hear somebody able to sustain it for five years without a fancy gym, that's, that's just remarkable to me. Mm -hmm. So what had happened with your weight before you ended up with us? Had you had a lot of weight cycling, like dieting and stuff like that, or what had it been like? So for me, I mean, I had tried keto, you know, that seems to be the thing. So you can lose 20 pounds, but then that's really it. It's that's as far as it went for me. I really didn't have a lot of fluctuation. It just kind of seemed after menopause and things like that, as decades went on, I would get to a certain weight and then just stay there. 
And it didn't mm-hmm. matter how much high intensity training I did. I did see a nutritionist and I lost it, but that program wasn't sustainable. It just wasn't. So once I fell out of that program, I kept that weight off for two years, but it just didn't last. And I didn't know why. I didn't know why, because being active, I didn't know why. I was confused. There's so many urban myths. There's so much misinformation out there. And finding out what works for me is mm-hmm. what's really key and important because I'm an individual. Yeah. And you know what my makeup is and all that, it's just an individual thing. And you know, when people hear and see how active I am, they don't know why I'm not a twig. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I am that that active and I and I challenge myself physically with a whole bunch of things. So yeah, it didn't match, right? And in many ways, that kind of expectation questioned my mind. Well, why am I not losing weight? Yeah. What am I doing wrong? There has to be something wrong that I'm doing wrong. And I couldn't find that answer anywhere. Yeah. You know, isn't that so interesting, right? Like there's just so much weight bias and how it's like ingrained even in you where you're literally like working out every day, super active, taking care, like going to a nutritionist, doing all these things. And yet when it's not working, it's like, what am I doing wrong? Like, it's like that self-blame of like, clearly I must be doing something. Well, yes. I mean, I guess I, I'm saying that wrong, but I was, I was confused. I, I, I guess I did assume some of that self-blame because, you know, you have lunch with your colleagues and things like that, or family and everything else. And there wasn't an answer. And, you know, when I saw the nutritionist, that program was so different. I mean, I could certainly show you, I could probably snag some pictures off Facebook and send to you. It was green smoothies and herbs and oils. And it was, I eliminated dairy. I eliminated bread. I eliminated pasta. I eliminated so many foods out of my life. It was so restrictive. And I had a personal trainer. So the two of them worked in tandem and it was fabulous. Oh, people were remarking. Here's the other thing that I find is a really scary stigma. People are happy when you can lose 20, 30 pounds because to them, that seems achievable to you, to them as well. But when you lose more than that, there's this culture shift, society shift and women and all kinds of people Start to ask you if you're sick, if you're ill. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Why can you be successful and lose weight doing it a healthy way? And yet people judge and make you feel bad about losing weight. It's just really strange observation I found. I dismissed it many times because I just thought, well, too bad for you. I've, I've spent a lot of money and time on myself. So I deserve to be this way. And I'm going to enjoy being this way. But that wasn't That's really interesting. Yeah, that's yes. so interesting that you've had people almost like not happy for you for losing that much weight. Yeah. I think yes. it's just a fascinating discussion of like why we feel that we should be able to comment on other people's bodies. Like let's just not let's just not comment on people's weight because we just don't know what's going on in their life or what they've done or is this intentional? Is this not intentional? Right. So it's uh I think it, it's like accepted that we can just comment on when people lose weight. And that's yeah, I think we should all just stop it. <laughs> I know. Well, it's so funny because I actually had a friend at church and he went to a very famous local doctor, Dr. Poon, and he was able to lose an immense amount of weight 
for his own health because it was to prevent diabetes, right? He was going into the wrong stage of diabetes. And I noticed someone come up and say to him, you look sick. What's wrong? And I went up to him afterwards and I said to him, don't listen to that. I've been in the same position as you. Don't listen to that. You've done incredible stuff. And I know you're doing it for your health benefit, for long-term benefit. Don't listen to that. They don't understand. And I said, I don't know why people feel they have to do that, but just don't listen to it. Shut it out and keep doing mm-hmm. what you're doing. Yeah. That was- okay. So let's come back to you, Debbie, because you've yeah. you've kind of, we won't talk about numbers, but you've lost a significant amount of weight. You've kept it off for a long time as well, which I think is the other important part of your story. You've been with us for- Two years. Over- this is second year. Two, it's two years. Yeah. And what, what was the difference? Like, why has it been sustainable this time? Because you've made me look at myself. So I'm going to use the um, comparison to my cycling training because I've really realized a lot about myself. And I've made another observation too, and I don't want to go down that road too far, but it just seems that as a woman and a person with a nature, nurturing instinct, People tend to load more on us and load more on us, load more on us. And we take it on, but we don't realize what price that pays and how much damage we're doing to ourselves physically, Mm. mentally, Mm. emotionally. So I, you know, I was in a very bad place and all the things that didn't work were not understanding what I did wrong. And I have to say, game changer, Monday night chats. Wow. Game changer you know, because I did all kinds of buffering, emotional eating, because I was so stressed and overburdened of caring for everyone. I'd even say to myself when I was doing high intensity training and not no longer on the nutritional journey that, oh, well, I can eat this because I just did a really strong workout and I'm going to go back tomorrow. So I'm going to work that off. Mm, But I really- So a justification thought. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, it was awful, awful. And so- I've learned so much about how I need to plan, plan like I do when I'm going to do a ride, plan and think every day, plan about, I need to plan and think and keep that focus. Because when I cycle, I'm so focused. I plan a couple days in advance. I make sure I have a good sleep. I make sure I have good hydration. I make sure I've eaten properly. That's the other thing. That's where the urban myths were. So after I did the nutritional journey, And I took up cycling more seriously, recreational. I'm a very serious recreational cyclist. I'll just say that much. People said even things there. Oh, you have to carb load. Oh, Mm -hmm. you have to eat all these dried dates. Oh, you have to eat, drink, eat all these dried fruits. You have to have these potions and concoctions. None of that's true because now that I've been on this program, what I've been able to eat, a balanced plate is what I need. Good sleep and good hydration and my focus. Mm -hmm. So now I've learned that I have to apply those sensibilities from cycling and focus, not with arrogance, not for any other reason. I'm doing this for me. I choose me. I have to like myself. I never spent time. And that's why I'm saying we were not trained to do these things when we were younger. It's not about arrogance or being selfish. It is about focusing on yourself, that Mm -hmm, focus mm -hmm. and that mental focus. And then stopping yourself, even, you know, some of the latest tools you've had that five, four, three, two, one, because I will procrastinate. I will prevent myself. So then you you look at 
why am I stopping myself? Why am I preventing myself? Mm -hmm. Let me jump in. So what I hear so much is, because you mentioned like you learned about emotional eating, you learned about you were doing all these things like carb loading, eating dates, and it was actually causing overeating, right? At the end of the day, we really have to solve for what is causing the overeating and overeating is not binging. You can be overeating healthy foods. You're overeating because you think that that's what you're supposed to do for this really healthy activity like cycling. You don't, many of us don't even realize we're eating more than we need because we're stressed. And it's our coping strategy when you have an elderly mother with dementia that you're looking after. And it's all these things where like, we're trying so hard to do the diet, but we don't take into consideration, like, what about all the factors that are causing us to eat when we're not actually needing the food? Right. So I think like, yeah, that's so powerful that that's, those are the tools that you've learned. And just for our listeners, the Monday nights, what you're, what uh, Debbie's referring to is every Monday night inside best weight, we have our Monday night workshops and those are interactive workshops where we teach uh, various skills. So that is amazing. Let's come back to now you talked about, and I, you know, you said this so well that women are nurturers and it really came down to self-care. How would you say the Debbie now is different from, you know, who you were two years ago as it relates to putting the time in for self-care? What looks different? Oh, I'm transformed. I'm the Phoenix that rose from the ashes of all of the things I did against myself. And Mm, I also don't take on all those burdens. I don't try to solve for everyone else. No, no. I've learned to give advice and step back instead of doing it for them and helping them. It doesn't serve me. I love some of the things you've said. Some of the things that both you and the doctors have said are long lasting. They're such great quotes. If it doesn't serve me, why am I doing it? Is it going to serve me or hurt me? Mm, Yeah. You know, making changes and focusing on those changes, as Dr. Diol says, discomfort is growth. Mm -hmm, You know, mm -hmm. it's kind of like I have these little guardian angels from everyone at Best Weight on my shoulder reminding me with their famous quotes, what's good, what's bad, what should I do and what I shouldn't do. So I'm talking to myself and I'm coaching myself. And I can tell you my transformation. I did this during the pandemic. My goal was that, well, if we're trapped at home for a couple of years and nobody gets to see me when I get to go out in public, what will they see? Who will they see? And I, you know, went for a walk with a former colleague and she is shocked. But the thing she remarked about the most and noticed the most is my huge change in my attitude, which affects my behavior that I am so positive now, but I'm also so driven and I'm so focused and it has to be about me. It has to be about me. And I love saying that it's for me. And so now I've changed so much that, you know, my husband and people, they didn't like the change. People didn't like the change. I'll say my daughters didn't like the change because they were used to dumping on me and me doing everything for them. But now with my change, even my husband knows, well, we won't go through that drive through We won't go through that restaurant. You don't want any of those things. He knows. He just knows that there are things I will not do now. And I think as women, we don't say no enough. We don't say no enough and we don't say no enough to ourselves. We don't say no, no enough to others. We get lost 
and what everybody else expects and everybody else wants. Why? Why do we do that? We shouldn't. Yeah. So it really sounds like you've learned, you've really learned to put boundaries in, right? Like boundaries. And, and I think, you know, what you described as like, it has to be about me. It almost can be mistaken because of our culture and how we're wired to think as like, that's so selfish, but it's like, no, if you do not care for you, you will not be around to care for other people. You will not be with the energy that you need to have, the focus that you need to have, the capacity that you need to have. If you have not filled your tank, you are giving from empty, right? And so like, that's, that's the misconception is like self-care is not selfish. It is essential It's essential, and it allows you to give your best yes. to the people that you love. So that's where, when you say that tank, that's where I can compare that to my cycling because my mm-hmm. tank is me. My energy is me. My focus is me. My talking to myself as I'm climbing, push, pull, push, pull, climb this hill. You got this. I'm talking to myself the whole time. I need to do that on a day-to-day basis when it comes to self-care. Yes, Mm -hmm. my tank was more than empty. I did high-intensity training to the point of exhaustion. You know, overeating, emotionally eating, buffering, and high-intensity training were my coping mechanisms. I did high-intensity training to the point of exhaustion and injury. Interesting, right. Because I was doing two things. They were colliding all the time. The overeating mm. and the high intensity training, the overeating and the high intensity training. And, and I didn't know why I was too exhausted to know why. And I didn't care. You know, it's really sad at that point. I really didn't care about myself. Wow. I do now. Yeah. I do yeah. now. And I want to be the best me. I'm living my best life. And I, you know what? I say that unabashedly out loud and I don't say that with arrogance or anything else. It's funny. I have people who think I'm inspirational and I laugh and I think, well, you can be like this too. Yes, that's that's it, right? It, it's for everyone. It it's works for, for everyone. everyone. That is, so, I love that. Yeah, right. You- that is amazing. Like for you to just be able to say, "I am living my best life." Like that makes my heart just so like swell with pride and joy for you because that's it. Like who cares about the scale if you're not living your life? Yes. Right? Like this is about you living your best life, and so that is. Yeah, that's so, so powerful. I want to ask you something. Would you have identified yourself as an overeater two years ago? Like, did you have any awareness that that was what the issue was? No. When you were doing all this like healthy nutrition and like you were working out like crazy? No, no. Yeah, that's no. And, you know, because I had kept some of the things that I had learned in with from the nutritionist. I mean, granted, I don't have as much dairy because it does solve my eczema, my skincare problems. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. and then, you know, I never went back to eating pasta, whole wheat pasta. Oh, I love that. I've learned so many different things. That's why I like posting things and asking other people what they do. Having congee noodles. My husband will eat them. Nobody cares. We have spaghetti squash. I love now. I even said to Dr. Diol, it just seems like now I'm going to be on a food expiration for the rest of my life. Because I, I decided to open my mind instead of being restrictive or redundant and doing the same thing over and over and over because that's how you maintain your weight and everything else. It's okay to still explore and maintain and sustain. Now, I know I had a really big challenge this year because this is what happens with everyone. Beginning of this year, I faced debilitating vertigo. It impacted my life. and. 
one of my big fears was, oh my gosh, what's going to happen now? I can't sit up. I can't walk without losing my balance. I can't exercise. How am I going to sustain my weight? Just maintain. And as you say, maintenance, maintaining, staying in one place is winning. You're still winning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I did. I did. It was a very long road of recovery, six, seven months recovery before I was able to actually go for a walk. My friends will tell you I, in the dark, I was unbalanced. If the pavement was uneven, I couldn't even walk. Wow. I couldn't walk. And for someone who's so active, I can imagine like that must've taken an emotional toll also. Yes. But I had to stick with this And remember, I'm going to get there. You've got to be the little engine that could, the little train. You'll get there. You'll get there. You know, Mm -hmm. every day, you know, this is just a hiccup. It's a maybe a little speed bump. Speed bumps are not good for me because I like to go, go, go. (laughs) (laughs) No, you can't. You have to focus on the positive. You're going to get there. Game changer there was finding a really good physiotherapist who made me do all kinds of really weird exercises. And then when I told him I want to cycle, he helped me to do some strength training at the same time. So it was Mm -hmm. win-win because he really helped me to get over my imbalance and my vertigo and strength training at the same time. Yeah. I love that you persevered, right? Like, I think that that is the learning lesson is you persevered through that because I think sometimes we hit a setback or a bump in the road to use your, you know, cycling analogy. And it's like, we quit right? That's the biggest, well, there's so many big challenges that I see with women, but like in people, when they're trying to lose weight and maintain it, it's like you hit a setback and you quit. And if you quit, you guarantee failure, right? But like, I hear just so much perseverance of, okay, now I'm almost bed bound and this is six and seven months. I'm not giving up on myself. What can I do to help myself? And that is the empowerment mindset instead of, you know, you could have been a victim. You could have been the victim mindset, but you didn't. Were you always, so someone listening who's like, oh my gosh, how are you so positive? Was that always you? Are you naturally positive or have you, has your mindset changed? No, no, no. My mindset changed. No, I wasn't raised in a supportive family. I wasn't raised with support strategies or any of those things. Even until I got to college, I was raised to think I was never good enough. I've been Mm. told my whole life, I've been never good enough. I've been Mm. told my whole life that I'm not athletic. I've, you know, been the child left sitting on the bench or never chosen. And now I choose me. And now I've pretty much proven all those naysayers wrong (laughs) in my own little way. I really challenge all of that. No, no, no. I have to say I developed my positive attitude when I had to impose that attitude on young girls, young, you know, females. I was a girl guide leader. And that was also a game changer as well. But after I stopped doing that volunteering, I really lost all that. I, I was so lost. I was lost in so many ways. And then, you know, with the burden of caring for everyone, I never thought in my whole life that I would have mental health issues. And I did. I did. And, you know, it's, uh, it's something you have, to, uh, you have to overcome. I can certainly understand how mental health really affects people. And, um, I'm glad I persevered because I didn't go down that road. And the worst thing is when you are having mental health problems, you could be, you feel like you're standing in a room screaming and nobody hears you. Mm. Even those people close enough to you don't hear you. 
Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you ha- self-care, you really have to take care of yourself on mm-hmm. all fronts, all aspects. Yeah. Nobody will yeah. do this for you. Nobody. Yeah. yeah, I think you demonstrate like so much determination, right? And you have that overcoming spirit that has clearly gotten you to where you are today, which I mean, is so amazing and so inspirational. So I would love to hear, you know, if you have a final piece of advice, particularly for post-menopausal women who just have given up on believing that weight loss is even possible, yes, what would you say? I don't know why menopause is such a tricky thing, but oh, it's awful. And I would like to think that I got through that much easier than most people. But I don't know. I felt like I got up and I, even if I breathed air, I was gaining weight. Get help. Get help. I, I'm starting to tell people who think they're going through menopause, get help. See a doctor. And you have so many great specialists on your team. Boy, I wish I would have found you people a long time ago. <laughs> but anyway, we're here, we're here, we go from here. My advice. Well, as you know, I don't watch the scale. It is not an indication of who I really am. Mm, it isn't. That's powerful. That scale doesn't know that I was able to ride 100 kilometers. That scale doesn't know that I was able to kayak 16 kilometers. That kayak doesn't know a lot about me. It really doesn't. Or Sorry, that scale doesn't know a lot about me. So I would say the best thing is, you know, find strength. Be prepared to be always prepared wherever you go. And it doesn't matter if you're visiting family, going grocery shopping, or out running errands, be prepared. Take healthy snacks with you everywhere you go, but get help with menopause and exercise is the, one of the key things. You don't have to do high intensity training, but strength training is important because as we age, our muscles get thinner and strength training is something that really helps you with your balance. (laughs) After vertigo, I can tell you balance is really a key, important part of your life. Balance, balance in your life, balance in your emotions balance in your plate, balance. That, that's going to be my key word, I guess. Balance. Focus. Don't give up. Persevere. Because what you did yesterday, you learned from it. Tomorrow's different. It's not promised. Mm-hmm. Keep going. Keep going. And whether it's family, maybe you don't have a supportive spouse, but you really have to think about you and think about yourself and think about what you want. What do you want? Right? And and there's no shame or blame in that. You're allowed Mm -hmm. to want things. You're allowed to achieve things. You are. And you can do hard things. It's true. (laughs) Yes, that's true. We say that one a lot inside Best Weight, right? You can do hard things. Yeah. And be resilient. You know, resilience will help you focus and help you drive and help you persevere. Don't let little things stop you. Don't let, you know, a hiccup or a speed bump stop you. Don't. Here's something I think that's really important for women. Bear no guilt for making healthy choices and putting yourself first. Why do women bear guilt? Anyway, I talk to myself, but not like in a crazy way. But I, I listen to my thoughts and I listen to what I say to myself. Or even if you're reaching in a cabinet or reaching for something you shouldn't do, or you think you're going to, you know, have some candy or something else. What I say to myself 
is far more important than what, than what others say to me. What I say to myself, what I believe is the most important thing. Yeah, that's so, and that's so powerful, right? Because most of us, we just believe every thought that comes into our brain. But what you're describing is you have learned to be a watcher and observer of those automatic thoughts and then choose to speak to yourself in an empowered way. And that just frames all of the choices that you make, right? Because our thoughts drive our feelings, drive our actions. So you have been able to work on changing your habits, you know, by addressing how you talk to yourself, which that's, that's the key. That is it summarized in one sentence, right? Well, I ruminate too much. So I have this other problem where, where I ruminate too much, but when I ruminate, I can talk myself, I can convince myself or justify something. But now if I'm going to ruminate, I want to ruminate and focus on things that are good and positive. Mm, that's powerful. Mm -hmm. Right. So it has yeah. to be for the right reasons. Yeah. So good. So good, Deb. Okay. As we close, is there any last thought that you really, really want to share to our, for our listeners? Get help. Get help and be your best. Live the dream. It doesn't take a lottery. Amazing. <laughs> Thanks so much, Debbie. This was really, really powerful. Thanks for sharing your story. You're welcome. I'm my pleasure. Yeah. Thank you for all your help. Awesome. Thanks for joining me today. If you enjoyed listening to the High on Life podcast, please take a moment to subscribe, share, and review it on Apple Podcasts.